Welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. I'm Nile Henry. And I'm Blair Henry. And we're two brothers who set out on a mission to make motorsport and STEM careers more diverse, affordable, and inclusive. We are the founders of The Blair Project. This podcast series delves into the minds of inspirational individuals who come from ordinary and often humble backgrounds, but through their belief, dogged determination and never give up attitude, I managed to overcome academic, social or mental challenges to achieve their dream careers. Our guests will share their life lessons that you too can apply to your own. We hope their stories will inspire you to go further, aim higher and accept nothing less than you deserve. Your ambition, your purpose is all within and we're here to help you unlock it. The planet of possibilities are endless. And welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. And on today's episode, we are joined by Marcia Brissett Bailey. So, Marcia, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got started. Right. So, you know, my name's Marcia. Um, and I would say, just giving you a little bit about myself because I can speak for England is that I'm a, a qualified careers advisor. I've done an MA in special education and I did my first degree in information science, which is all about firewalls, data protection, all of the things what we're doing now. When I did it, it was a long time ago, but it's all the current stiff things around information, acquisition of information. Um, yeah. Where am I now, really? I think I'm an, I know I'm an advocate for dyslexia. Dyslexia is what I, I, ha I am dyslexic and it's something where I feel I have a passion to really empower others to find their voice because when I was much younger I didn't feel like I had a voice I felt like I was quite alone a yeah. bit of a alien in a way I felt I felt and just felt like you know no one understood me I felt misunderstood so I think what's happened within my career I've always gone to a career where I'm helping others I've been at the front line of advising guiding so I've been a youth worker I've been a tutor I've worked in universities I've worked as a careers advisor in a college for a very long time for about 11 years I have been in education believe it or not for about 30 years wow. so I am an educator so I, f I feel for me I've I've been really blessed to and privileged to work and empower other young people through my career and um, see them blossom and that's just my passion to leave legacy and see people grow and develop so that's a little bit about myself <laughs> you you briefly touched on um your experiences of growing up um marcia C could you just tell me tell us um when you were growing up who were some of your role models Blair, okay so let me even think i think the main role models when i was younger was my family because if, I, if I'm honest, when I was looking around within my school books or anything around me, there wasn't really representation of people who looked like me. So I had to look up to my, what we would say from a Caribbean perspective, because my, my family is Jamaican Caribbean, is that you look to, up to your elders. Yeah. And people who inspired you was my dad, my mum, even though there was tough love, <laughs> you know, you feel like you couldn't say it a bit, but this was tough. But um, they inspired me to uh, and shaped me, I guess, in some sense around resilience. My yeah. grandmother was like my best friend. So they, my family members became my role models, my aunties, my uncles, people I was around in my community became my yeah. role models. I, I think in society, I didn't see myself, so I wouldn't say in the first instance, they were role models. But of course, seeing people later on, like, you know, I'm not going to get into politics, but when I was at secondary school, I remember Diane Abbott, who's yeah. an MP in London. And that kind of like, oh, wow, a black woman. So it really started to make me think that it's possible, anything's possible. So that's kind of my role model starting journey and understanding what role models and why they're so important. And in terms of where you are today, in terms of your career history, how's everything going for you now, Marcia, in terms of your career? Well, can I just give you a little bit of a background? So when I was younger, as I said, I, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 16 with dyslexia. And for me, yeah. I never felt I was good enough. I always had this kind of imposter syndrome or feeling that you know, sabotaging things because I always felt I was never good because school was always comparing me with like, 
what I should what I, they felt I should be or where I should be at so that really kind of gave me a setback and I think over time once I sort of found my voice and found that diagnosis of being dyslexic it really helped me to sort of navigate the system and I felt sometimes I had to hack the system to show up and why I'm saying that I think it's really important to give context to yeah. how I got where I am so I really had to dig deep and I really had to use that word resilience not only from the cultural perspective but also from finding the place to learn to ask people when I needed help because that wasn't necessarily the way you know when I was growing up you don't you don't tell people your business you don't chat this you don't ask people nothing you just find your way so why I'm saying that is because it was really instrumental for me to get into where I am and it was because I didn't have it I wanted to help others so me going into getting a degree was it was I was the first person in my family and first generation so it, it's kind of like a, a building block of building and resilience that got me to where I am. So where I am today, I mean, I can't believe it, Blair. I've actually featured in Forbes. And I, I was like, what's Forbes? Forbes magazine. I'm like, yeah. Forbes. <laughs> and it, it, it kind of struck me over time that what people are saying is that I'm an influencer. I'm like, how am I an influencer? But I just found my voice. I just found my voice and used the platform and of social media to start telling my story to change that narrative so yeah. and and make representation important to leave legacy so from being an educator careers advisor to writing my own book so I'm an author of the book yeah. called Black Brilliant and Dyslexic it really was about f- being able to change that narrative and say actually I can I can do this I don't I'm not waiting for somebody I'm going to bring that fold up chair and bring it to the table why not do you see what i'm saying so i've done a lot of things that i'm just so proud of but at the time i was just like pushing through is what i'm saying so i've done a whole range of stuff i I, (laughs) i've got a a little list of things that but it's all around helping others and all around supporting each supporting others and um, yeah (laughs) i was going to bring that up because you you just touched on it um could you tell us more about your book uh black uh brilliant and can can you see it if i do yay there's the book oops it's fading out because i've got um so it's yeah, it's called Black Brilliant and Dyslexic. So I got a publishing deal when I when we when during lockdown, we during COVID. Um, and literally it was like, I cannot believe it. My teachers told me I'd never achieve academically, and here I am getting a, a, a publishing deal. It really I couldn't it didn't really dawn on me when I was telling my family I've got a publishing deal, they were going like, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, okay, this is the next tick of my thing. And um what I did really, my my vision was, and I get a lot of visions, I visualize things more before I sort of pan it out and make it reality. Yeah. And what I did was just wanted again other people. So my book's got 25 other dyslexic, neurodiverse. Um, and what I mean by d- neurodiverse, it can overlap with dyslexia, dyscalculia, dyspraxia, yeah. autism, ADHD. I don't know if anybody in the audience have heard of these um, names of learning differences, I call them. So in this book, they are telling their experience. And again, for me, it's about representation, because when I was growing up, the first person I knew what was dyslexic, and it maybe the audience might not know this comedian and director, Angie Lamar, she was the first person that I knew on the BBC, and she said she was dyslexic. So yeah. for me, it was so important, Blair, to have that representation piece, because dyslexia doesn't discriminate. In, in the sense that, you know, you can come from any culture, ethnicity. And so I wanted to see that representation just like me to be in that book. And my daughter's in that book. She's a teenager and she's in that book telling her story. So it inspires not just older people, but the generation. And and it's interesting, the, some of the same journeys, even though we're gaps apart in you know, in terms of our age group. So that shows us we've still got work to go do. And that makes me passionate to be able to keep pushing through. And so that book is out and it's it's there for a lifetime. It's going to be there to be able to speak. And it's got quotes as well as chapters of people's stories. I mean, that, that was, brings us on to my next question, essentially. Like how important was it for you to put that book together? I think it's 
it's it's just very significant and key there are there is a book before my book which did a very similar thing but it's about timing sometimes and we're into a to an an era where we're talking about intersectionality which is about those intersections what may impact you so this book for me is very significant because it's like a part two of a book that came out before called dyslexic and cultural perspective which i'm in yeah. And that book helped me to be able to say, I can do it too. So it's very significant. And, you know, I've did my book launch a couple of weeks ago and to see people in tears to say, you see me, this is, this book resonates with me. There's second to none to that feeling, Blair, when, nice. so, when you've touched somebody and it makes them think, actually, I can do it too. Whatever that is, we've got to reach for, you know, our goals and aspirations. Sometimes we're just existing in presence, but let's yeah. be existent and be present and be able to believe you can do something. What are your, what do you want to do in life? What is your, you know, what is your purpose if people believe it in that way? But I see that what is your aspirations? Do things that you love and then say to yourself, why not? So why not? Why not? Why not? I can be an author and it's happened. And I just feel that my gift is to inspire people. And that's what I've done with that book, to be able to allow people to see their voice and hear their voice through their stories and that they've shared it with me. That's just awesome that people have trusted me with their stories. I mean, Marcy, you truly are a trailblazer. I mean, you've been named the top 50 influential neurodivergent women in the UK. You've been a a top 80 neurodiversity evangelist in in the UK as well. (laughs) And I mean, what is it like to be recognized as such a a, tra- a massive trailblazer in the UK? Sometimes I just don't believe. I'm like, how are they saying this about me? But I'm having to learn to embrace, embrace it because it was just something so alien to me initially. Yeah. Like people think that, but this is just me doing me and bringing my whole self to the table and sharing my stories and my journey and lived experience and so for me I'm I'm owning it now and I'm accepting it that I'm an influencer I'm a trailblazer I'm like what I have to every so often check myself but I am I, I feel it's an honor and a privilege to feel in those positions and it's important as I said before to bring that next generation in to empower them to bring their voices to the table now so it's not about me it's never about me and how are some of the different ways in which you raise awareness on being neurodiverse? So um, some of the ways I'm on different boards. I'm a trustee of the Wolf and Forest Dyslexia Association, as well as the British Dyslexia Association. Um, I'm on other kind of university boards like the Neurodiversity um, in Business and um, at, with um, Burbeck University. So I feel that using my expertise, my lived experience and my journey, and also my experience working in the workplace, I'm being able to make change within systems and within organisations through me being on boards. I think I think my you know that's one of the things that I feel that I can leave to say I've I've made some influence or made some change, had a discussion, and been yeah. on the te- been at the table. This thing about being at the table is so important. So for me, those are some of the things, and obviously having the book. Um, my next bit of that is then traveling and taking it internationally would be amazing and awesome because I know that it's not just happening here, the kind of barriers and those systematic barriers. Um, and we just want to break some of those, those barriers down and just say we're here, you know. So I just feel blessed and kind of honored that I'm being given these opportunities and even here to talking to you. So it's just great to have those opportunities to share not my experience, but to say that you can do it too. And then also just wanted to touch on yourself being a dyslexia advocate. What else, what else do you say is some of the biggest challenges that you've had to face in your career thus far? Being believed, really. People say, you don't look dyslexic. How yeah. do you cope? Is it about reading and writing? People are curious, but it's, we're curious because the system hasn't made us aware. And we're curious because we can't understand why you can show up and be yourself. Isn't dyslexia a disablement of some, so you're not meant to do, you're not not meant to do, it's a learning difference. It's the way my brain's wired, but we're all designed in a different way to bring skills to the table. So mine may be attention to detail or seeing a bigger picture. So we all have something to offer. We all have something to bring. So that's where my advocate is, advocacy is, is to change that kind of narrative, to tell people that 
this is me and I, this yeah. is by design. This is not a, a disability in the way that you're dissing it to say that it means you, your lack of something. It's, it's very much a medical model. We need a medical model, but it's very much of that you lack something. I don't lack anything. What happens is the system's not designed for the way that I work. Yeah. So if I want to write an essay, why do I have to be tested by my memory? Because my short-term memory is really bad. My dyslexia, I'll be like, what did we talk about a minute ago? And it's like, it's not intentionally, but my it's really short. I, but I can remember something when I was free. So yeah. you've got to work with my strengths. So we've got to have a strength-based approach. Soft skills are important too. And we've got to look at the future. As a careers advisor, I'm always looking at skills are always evolving. So we have to have change our mindset. And so for me, I'm just always wanting to bring it, bring it home that dyslexia is not a disability that it disables you from doing it, but we have to change the system so you can have a strength base and work on my strength. So an exam, why can't I talk my exam? Why not? Because I'm better. My talking is a, a yeah. stronger strength. But if you're testing me to write, it's going to take me longer. I can do it, but it's going to take me time. I've got overlearning and overlearning. So it's having awareness and understanding, I think, Blair, that people just sometimes don't get because we're taught that you've got all of these differences or difficulties, as they say, and like, well, how can you show up because you need help? I need assistance. Yeah, I put my hands up, but it don't it don't mean I can't be able to do up do something and show up and be myself. But Absolutely. it can be crippling when people um, are disabling you to not be your best and there's so many things around mental health and trauma because of it because people are always viewing you that you can't you, there's a lack of something and there, there isn't a lack of something this is my this is the way my brain's designed and I can bring a lot to the table I'm provoking in my thought thinking and that's great for business it's great when you've got an you an ideas person do you get what I'm saying so that's Absolutely. the kind of conversations I want to have at the table not what you can't do it's what you can do and how did you, how do you, I want to dive further into it. I mean, like in terms of like mindset, how do you develop that mindset to have that, that thinking that you can basically go out and, you know, achieve anything that you set your mind to essentially? How, how did you develop that sort of one thinking? I think it's very embedded in from a cultural perspective as well for me, because I grew up with, and I don't mean this in any way, in, it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it, I think you have to balance that kind of tough love. Like you've got to always looking, thinking outside the box and find, yeah. being creative in your thinking. So that foundation really helped, but also I had to have that inner strength and that thicker skin. So when I found I was dyslexic, yeah. I think that was my turning point. It can make or break you. You know, I'm going to be honest, some people, because they didn't get the, the support and when they're communicating, maybe not in the way that conforms to society. So behavior yeah. is a form of communication, but sometimes just throwing a chair or saying I'm frustrated because I don't get this. People are not seeing that, that, like that. So you get excluded time and time again, that you don't feel you belong and you might find other ways of feeling that you belong. And that can be an issue for society, so to speak. But I just feel for me, my turning point was when the teacher said I wasn't going to be academically achieving. And I yeah. thought that, that ain't me. That ain't me. And that's what drawed me. And then the love of my family keep saying, Marcia, whatever you want to do, we just support you. That helped me to say, it took me, gave me time to kind of find myself. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I did have the imposter syndrome. And what I mean by that, when you think it's not really you, yeah. But it is you, you are still showing up. But because you've had so much trauma through that school experience, you say, well, that's not good enough. And back in my days, you had red pen. So when you saw that red pen on your, your, your work, you're like, so school's got a lot to answer for in terms of nurturing and, and helping children to feel their self. And I just, I think along the way, I've just had to build my resilience and yeah. believe in myself and have those conversations. And also I had to find trusted people that I can share what was happening and they believed in me too. So that helped me to believe in myself. So it, it's, it's a lot of different things. I had to do that kind of inner child work of self-love to love myself so I can show up and be myself. And when you've had that kind of trauma, it can be really hard. And all I want to say to people is that don't give up on you. And it's finding those support networks. We call it sometimes your tribe, your village, people who have got your back in a way that can, you can go to when you need that little advice or you're not sure about something. We all need a bit of guidance sometimes. We need that community, people who, you know, my granny used to say you have to have your friends on one hand. So, you know, I mean, your people that you can, your go-tos. And so it's building that. You know, I've learned that I'm a, I'm a big 
big adult now, but I'm still learning that. We never stop learning and we're all evolving. You never can say it's like everything's 100%. So with that kind of mindset and that emotional intelligence, which I think some of us who are neurodiverse, we've got strong emotional intelligence. You're quite in tune to listening, being effective, yeah. um, intuitive in your thinking and accepting that's okay to think and no one's perfect. We're always evolving. So that's how I kind of my mindset sort of geared to. It's a little bit of my background, a little bit of, you know, being out there. You know, I came from Hackney. They would be thinking that's a deprived area. But you, you kind of know what was the rough and the smooth. And you kind of find a balance. And I've kind of just built that mindset where never give up. Yeah. Absolutely. And just kind of just have those visions, believe in some of those visions and work through them. Even if you do like one step, then two step it's not a race any nothing everything takes time if you really want to give it quality and it's okay and there's nothing as failure in a way you know you always learn it's, it's about learn that's learning and you just go a different way okay I learned that from that you ask any entrepreneur how many times I've had to fail before they actually achieve so it's all of those things we've got some concepts in life that have been like you've got to do it this way you've got to do it or it's not going to work or what is success look like yeah We're, so it's all of those kind of things. And I think over time and lived experience has told me that it's nothing's perfect. And I just wish I knew that when I was at school, because I was thinking I had to be perfect. I had to be an A grade student. Yeah. Why I mean, couldn't I be? Yeah. Do you go know I mean? So, yeah, I hope that gives you kind of a sense of where my mindset is and how you can sort of get there if you start believing in yourself a little bit and support, basically. It's just that message that entrepreneurs usually teach. You have to keep trying and trying and trying. And it's, there's almost no such thing as failure because it's either, even if you do end up failing at something, you're still learning along the way and then you just get better and 100%, better each time. A hundred percent. Well, I wanted to touch on as well, Matt, because you mentioned that you've been in the, uh, the education sector for over 30 years. Do you feel, though, that the education sector is doing enough to cater to the needs of people that are neurodiverse? That's a big question. So <laughs> I've worked for the local authority um, and just um, finished six years, six months ago. And what I learned from that is a lot of young people still feeling not quite supported, feeling like, OK, you're over there because you're SEND, you're special education. And all of those kind of labels can be really difficult. And then sometimes I'm going to be honest to the audience that young people are unkind to each other because yeah. they're not getting the right understanding and awareness sometimes within the, the, the education system itself. So you could, it's like there's them and you, there's them and us. And so I think there could be much more initially awareness and much more nurturing. And if I was really to really go there, I think we need to kind of restart <laughs> the education system in a way because one of the things my son said to me he goes mum school feels like it's preparing you to be an employee not a business owner why are we doing these things when we're repeating it we need to be more entrepreneurial in our schools we need to engage in the soft skills you know I know for sure some of the things we've been taught in schools like for IT a young person can do all of that on a phone but we're not up to that scratch. So there's lots of things that we need to be up to speed. We, we're no longer the 19th century. We need to be the 21st century in our educations because our young people are born into technology and yeah. everything's quick, but school just seems slow. It's not ready enough. So that's one thing. And then the neurodiverse thing, yeah, it's the same thing. Finding skills, whether it's assistive technology, so you can talk into the system. We need to be up to scratch to to in order for young people to access learning there's nothing wrong with a curriculum but the curriculum needs to be diverse in its curriculum not even talking about history here or anything like that because that don't get me started on that but it needs to be diverse in in terms of what it's giving us on on the table so that everybody can access learning in different ways at the moment yeah. it's there's an inequality and an injustice in terms of who's accessing depending on your postcode where you live it's not, there's not an equality. We're not even talking about people paying for private care. We're just thinking about general support across the board. If your building's not right, do you feel right even going into it? So there's all these kind of intersections that are causing problems, but just the basic learning and that it, there's an equality in it in terms of how you can show up, like, just like having the basic technology. 
would is a start. <laughs> Did I give you a bit of an answer? Because there's so much in yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much in there. You don't want to get me started on it because I'll be here like for another few days, like talking about <laughs> this. Let's just break it down, Blair. Like there's the first one, there's this one. Because people want to show up as themselves, and that's what makes them feel like I this is not for me. Education's for not for me. And it's like, why not? But it's just it's it's outdated a bit. I'm sorry if I'm saying yeah. that, but it, it feels a bit out there. It's, there's nothing wrong with the different styles, but it just needs to be a bit more accessible for everybody and bring it more into the entrepreneurial sense. You know, we want more business skills and more purposeful, meaningful things that are more current with our social media, with whatever yeah. we, we, yeah, and we, we need that. It's fair because we're preparing people for the future. But this, we don't even know what that looks like. But if you're still teaching them like the basics, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah neurodiverse yeah we, we we're entrepreneurs ask us as well what we would like <laughs> i say i mean it's some of the programs we've run at the blair project in terms of like stem based programs we fit we focus more on like the hands-on sort of activities so it's just tapping into the potential of the young people who are not let's say the best at you know writing papers or like passing exams but they're really good with the hands-on sort of tech the hands-on sort of like practical activities and you're tapping into their potential in terms of seeing them the reality um, of them working in these different sectors. So it's just one of those things that it's just, everyone has their own strengths, but it's just finding the strengths of those particular young people to be fair, so. And yeah, and how you, yeah, and how you base intelligence. So that what you're referring to is that kinesthetic learning, but it, yeah. it's a whole multi-sensory, whether it's auditory, whether it's like text, textures, whether it's speech. So yeah. that's what we need, you know, if we have that for everybody, we'll be able to have a chance. And um, yeah, hands on, yeah. 100%. Um, based on your experiences, um, Marcia, what would you say is the the biggest tip that you can leave uh, behind for anyone who's neurodiverse watching this podcast? What's the biggest tip that you can leave from your lived experience? My lived experience tells me not to give up on yourself. And yeah. there's, there, you know, it, this sounds a bit clingy, like funny, but to see that light, like at the end of the tunnel, there, there is, you know, there is this, there is something there and you've got yeah. to believe and you've got to dig deep. So never give up on you. You know, you know, there's about a piece about acceptance. This is the way you're designed. This is the way you show up. If we was thinking about like when world begin or whatever, I know I'll be out there finding some way to create something. So that tells me I've got skills in a different way. It's not the linear academic in the sense of writing to become a doctor. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with being a doctor, but that's a typical still of memory, but it doesn't mean that you can be, you can't be dyslexic and, ha and do being the doctor. But what I'm saying is that there's just different skill set. Some yeah. people have got a photogenic memory, which really works, but have you got the social skills? I don't know. So do you get what I mean? So it's like, never give up on you and you've got your skills and believe in that and look for people to find in your tribe who are on the same page as you in a way that like can support you and you can support each other and and also get that professional support as well and it's sometimes you you just don't feel like people are going to understand but you just keep trying and finding people and remember there's no such thing as failure to me there isn't it's just that it means that you just move in a different direction and find another way and entrepreneurs say all the time so don't feel you're a failure if you don't get that grade nine that that is not the end of the world. So just so the the kind of overall is never give up on you really, because all of those things will come in line when you keep pushing and finding your aspiration and your you know finding your real potential to achieve what it is you want to do. Absolutely, I, I'm honestly really inspired to hear your story to, today, Marcy. It's really honestly truly inspiring. But what would you say are the three skills or traits that you picked up on your journey that's helped to make you the success that you are today? If you had to name three. Yeah, so um, the first one um, is commitment, being committed to whatever I start, whatever that looks like, and then being consistent. Yeah, so consistency um, is really important because if I don't have that consistency, then... It, yeah, it, it can go all sorts of ways, especially with my, um, you know, concentration. Like I get excited because I'm always excited about the next thing because that's the entrepreneurial brain of mine. And routine, that could be the same as consistency, but having control and having boundaries, if that makes sense. If you said you're going to do something, stay with that, be clear. And, and not every time you're available to everybody, because sometimes they will take you off track yeah. and you need to stay on track to what you need to do. 
So I hope that's the three, because I think I tried to do four there with the routine bit. But <laughs> if I add it into the consistency, I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> and then following up from just from the strengths, I mean, you've talked about your lived experience from a cultural perspective. But what does this mean for you, though? It means for me, I have got a heritage and I need to celebrate that. I can't play small with that because it's who I am. It's in my DNA. And yeah. so that that's rooted in what I've passed on to my children as well, because they know that heritage, they've got a different culture element. They're, they're born in Britain. I'm born in Britain. But it's important to have that understanding of where you come from, that identity. It's part of that intersection from your environment. You know, I'm a Hackney girl, but I've got Jamaican heritage, yeah. but I'm a woman, I'm black. And these are all those intersections. And I can't deny any of them. And it's just good to know, like, I eat ackee and saltfish and bun and cheese. That's okay. Do you know what I mean? When you be talking about that, like, you eat fish with what's salted, but it's all part of who I am. And I, I understand that. And I celebrate that. And I help others to in understand where I'm coming from and it's part of who I am so um I think that's <laughs> that's so important to me and it's it's such a, a embedded in my lineage and I can't deny it and then following on from that uh, Marcia what would you, what does an average day look like for you is it oh, do, you, do you have like a set routine or is it something different every day or I have set routines. It's different every day, but set routines. So okay this is a, 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 a spoiler alert I wake up a good like four o'clock. It I, I'm wow. one of your, we call it your 3 a.m. or four o'clock people. I'm the 3 a.m. 3 a.m. to four o'clock. And what happens for me is that that's when I do a lot of my entrepreneuring, my blogging. No one's awake. And it's the, it, and I think better in the mornings. I'm a morning person. So I hear the birds. That that that's a vibration in itself. That's <laughs> that's you know, we're we're breaking the morning, yeah. So I wake up really early. So that's when I get a lot of my stuff done, all the things, even emails and set them, put them in draft, and by a reasonable time, six, five, I send them. So I do a lot of my busyness in my head and also my creativeness um also comes out at that time. So that's my early start. And then I get, and I have a nine to five. I work for an organization called Diversity Ability, which is around, yeah. it advocates for disability, intersectionality and neurodiversity, which I'm blessed to be in a, a field that I love and do that. But I also do my own stuff as well. Speaking, um, I, I, I provide services. I'm a careers advisor. So I do some consultancy and I'm also a spend, spend special educational specialist. Mm -hmm. So I, the entrepreneur is still there. So I do a little bit of both. I'm doing a little bit of nine to five but I'm also doing my own stuff as well so it's oh. fine that balance I, I left a whole nine to five to to do a mix and blends or a hybrid way of working so my day can vary I could be doing a workshop I could be doing two talks today uh, today I'm doing another talk later on um, so it varies but it's all around making change changing that narrative talking about intersectionality neurodiversity it's all around the things that brings me joy but also is my passion so it's great when you can do something because it doesn't always it doesn't always feel like working apart from if you've got to write reports and stuff like that <laughs> but it doesn't always feel like it's working because you're doing things on purpose and you're doing things from a place of yeah of you you know you, you that kind of what you you've planned out in your life and then it, it's taken me a while but it's it's a sure great feeling to have so yeah my days are varied but the one thing that's consistent is that I wake up early and that gives me time to just sort of wake up process do the things I need to do so I can be that consistent committed yeah and doing those things that you have to do and but taking my time to do it I could stop start but it's only five o'clock now stop start it's only six o'clock mm -hmm. and then you know I used to go out for a walk as well but I've injured my leg at the moment um, um <laughs> so I'm, I'm not out, out for walks I go for a walk in the park um and that just kind of relaxes me gets me focused for the day or go to the gym so yeah. the, I do those kind of things also to have um that well-being part and that balance as well so those things are consistent but in within that it could change and I like that variation it, I'd like, I like that not one day is the same, but there yeah. are things that I keep consistent as well. <laughs> and now this next uh, question, it's more of a um, personal question for yourself, uh, Marcia, but what would you say thus far has been the proudest moment of your career? My career, I was going to say, apart from my children. So my career is definitely the book, um, definitely um, being able to do something that I was told I couldn't do. 
And I'm saying that specifically, I was told I couldn't do it. So that tells you that anything's possible. Yeah. If you're consistent, you remember I said, and committed to the cause of whatever you want to do. They, my teachers ripped me off and told me I'm never going to academically achieve. I don't know what. The fact that you work on projects where you're getting young people to work, work with, you know, with their hands and stuff like that. Yeah. You've got to find your way. You've got, you've got to navigate and find your way. And as I said, I don't like to use this term because I'm not meaning a negative, but I've had to hack the system to show up and be myself. And that's the only way I can say it because that's how it felt. It, it felt yeah. like that because I couldn't see any other way to get in. And I don't mean that literally I'm hacking any kind of technology. I'm literally hacking to get through and keep knocking through. So for me, the book is a, a massive achievement because I was told I couldn't even achieve. I mean, I came out of one GCSE and I've got three degrees now. It's not wow. about the academics, but it's the point is that I was told I would never be able to achieve. Do you see what I'm saying? So I was written yeah. off. I was written I mean, off. So it's almost just like the um, you have just the mindset of us proving people wrong. But do you ever have I the? Know. <laughs> just the, I like it. I it's just the resilience. Yes, yeah, the neurodiverse as well. If someone tells you no, you still seem to want to go to the place where they said no, and you're like, why am I doing this? It's like the baddest thing. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, it's just great. I mean, it's just that, that trailblazer. No one can tell me that I can't do something. I mean, but I want to just ask, do you ever have the, because some of the, the guests that we've had in the past, they've all, they've always said how they've had to, in the past, like overcome, like, let's say the fear of failure in their heads. Does that ever pop into your head, maybe the fear of failure? Or do you just think to yourself, no, you know what? Just got to do this. I've got to persevere and crack on, really. Blair, because I got that one B in GCSE, I just said that wasn't me. That, that doesn't define me. Yeah. And that's generally how I thought because I've come from a family, and it, it is to do with the culture as well, because I came from a place where you just keep persevering. Most of the people around me, is, I was in a matriarchal kind of family. All the women were doing. So it didn't, it was failure because that's what I've been told because that's the system. But I didn't want to be that. So yeah. it, it's kind of like sometimes I do think, is it because my teacher told me, I would never be, is that why I've persevered academically? I'm creative. I love drama. I love acting. I didn't go that route. I went yeah. down that academic route, which is the place that is like, are you kidding me? So for me, there must be, there is something about saying no, but I don't even like to say that's what it is, but it probably is. It's like, there's something about me innate that's saying, no, nah, that can't be me. But it, remember, it's come from when I was 10. So that's deep. So I think it's evolved and I've I've had to reshape everything to focus on this no. Uh, even when it looks like a failure, say, okay, let's move on. What else can it be? What else can I do? Let's, that, that didn't work. So so that is my mindset. It's it, You're making me make me think about it even more. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I'd accept it and put my hand up and say, okay, I own it. I own it. I am like, I don't like to say no. Yeah. <laughs> but not in a bad way. Sometimes it's no, but you keep, you try somewhere else. So, you know, okay, I couldn't get a publishing deal one way, but I'm going to go another way. And I got a publishing deal. Even when people said, Marcy, just do it independently. Do it for yourself. I was like, no, I want a publishing deal because that's a way we can get it, our books and representation. And there it was. So sometimes you've got to speak it into existence. Now, you briefly touched on it um, in the last answer, Marcy, but let's just say we had a time machine and you could go back in time and you could speak to your younger self. What advice would you give to your younger self? It's still that thing of not giving up on yourself and to yeah. also know that it's going to be okay. I was very, yeah. I was very like in a headspace, like I'm not good enough. And I, I just wish I could have just hold me a little bit and just say, you're going to be okay. Just believe in yourself. You're going to be okay. And if I could have put some of the mindset I have now, but that's what societal can happen. It can make you think that you're not good enough because you don't get that A. And I just wish I didn't spend so much time thinking about that yeah. and thinking about, but then I was thinking about how can I get around it? So <laughs> I was still thinking, how can I, this is not me. And so um, I just wish I wouldn't have the energy of feeling the dip, the down so low. Like I wish I could, you know, cause we all could have ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. Life is not yeah. smooth, but I just wish I didn't feel so sad so many times. I wish I could have just, you know, obviously it's part of the experience to make me who I am now, but I just wish I had less of them, 
have a bit of dip because that wouldn't be humane if we didn't because we all have different emotions but I just wish I didn't stay sometimes in those really low places and feel so sad about it so yeah it's still around not giving up on myself and believing in myself and that piece that not everyone's going to um, connect with but that self-love loving myself because when you see things around you what doesn't look like you and you don't yeah. see yourself it can also make you it can you you've got to unlearn some of the conditions of thinking that what is beautiful so also as a black woman what I was seeing was beautiful wasn't me it didn't represent me so I, there's a whole intersection of all of that stuff as well so I think I had to really turn that around I really had to start working out what looks beautiful what my afro hair you know all of these things to be and show up as myself and what I want people to do is to show up as themselves be respectful but unapologetically be yourself whatever that looks like and yeah I'm a bit dyslexic and maybe a bit of ADHD but that is okay because we're all different no one's perfect we're not all the same shoe size <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> well we can be but do you know what I mean but it'll be different because your toe might be a little bit like this or you know, do you know what I mean so we're always going to be like a fingerprint authentically unique so yeah I just feel that that child, I just wish I had some of that energy of believing that it's going to be okay. I got a lot of love. I'm not going to say deny that, but I did still feel in my head sometimes that, I, you know, how am I going to get through this? And yeah. that, that did take me to a little low space. Um, and that's a lot of trauma came from that. A lot of trauma that I didn't know. So that's the imposter syndrome, the sabotage, like, this is not really me. Oh, I'm not going to do it. I did a lot of that, but then I did a lot of un unlearning that and sort of talking away from it as well. So it, it's, it's, it's been a journey. And that's wow. why, I, yeah, I want to change and help other people to understand that as well. And, and then I just wanted to touch on that as well. That some of the, um, the people that you've worked with, uh, how, how hard has it been to essentially change their mindset? Like you went through in your, like your career, let's say changing your mindset to believe that you can do excel in these certain fields. How hard was it? Did you find it difficult to change their mindsets as well? Or it's the thing is you don't want to change people's mindset. It's about growth, isn't it? It's yeah. um, growth mindset. So it's about experience about, I don't want to say maturity because you can be 10 and be mature in so many ways and you can learn from each other. But I think, I, what's helped me a lot is being a careers advisor. So through my training as, and I've done counseling as well, I feel what you do is help people to set goals for themselves. So, okay, so what do you want to achieve? What's your long-term goal? We might start with what's your long-term goal. And what does that look like for you? How do you see yourself? Are you, what are you wearing? So all of those kind of things are kind of some of the work that I do is to do that inner work to understand where that person coming from. Because you know there could be other intersections. Like I've had some of my young people, their parents want them to be a lawyer. How can we make that work? We can do a combined yeah. degree. So you can do law, law and drama, for example. You can do. So I'm always being creative about how to help people to think about how they want to show up. And it starts with you. It's always going to start with you. You can't change somebody. It's got to start with you. So my work or the things that I do is about looking at how you want to get there. And also the question, why not? So how are you going to do that? That could be a short, medium and long-term goal. So as a careers advisor, if I was working with a student for two to three years, we'll work on those and take sometimes pigeon steps, sometimes some elephant steps, but it, it's how it looks and shows up for you. And as I said, there could be intersections. It could be family problems. There could be all sorts of things that makes you take that little bit longer or helps you to build your mindset and also have people that support you and are on the journey with you to encourage you so it's a combination of so many things there it's not just one thing but it has to come from you I think when sometimes people are just giving it on a plate it doesn't always come as authentic and sometimes people don't understand it but when you've had to do the grass graph work the the grass root work it sometimes it, it it's hard but you um you you have to just work through it and remember I said about the commitment the yeah. you know the it's doing some of that stuff and doing the work you go away and do that work so when my young people come in the office they, they they're set with the work they want to do and only you can do that if I can give you a whole leap of things to do but you've got to do the work absolutely uh, then um, <laughs> as well, this might be because you're doing so much. It's it's just incredible. But what would is there a particular project that you've worked on the last year? That what what would you say is the most exciting project that you've worked on over the last year? Should I say? Oh, the last year. Um, 
I, I'm going to say I've worked on a few projects, but um, I've worked on a project called Not Your Average Entrepreneurs, um, and I've supported the the network in in, in you know I'm a because I'm, I'm an informationist as well because that's my first degree. I love providing information, resources, and stuff like that. So that's been an amazing project, um, and we got to do um, some research called a Homecoming Project, where we looked at what um, people with disability or neurodiverse how they find themselves in the workplace yeah. and that was amazing to actually have a research piece and document of work that I've been involved with so that's called that's called the home um homecoming project and you can find out about that through the diverse creative because it's it's, a, it's oh. something you can you can click on to and so that's been an amazing part of it and I've done some great pro, pro projects with young people so I did a self-development program a six-week program which I developed myself um and to see how young people came out of that after six weeks, honestly, it's just a privilege to see people grow and find their voice in understanding what disability meant, what, you know, just a whole range of things um, and like doing mind, mind mapping, doing your vision board, which is not for everybody. Some people just like bullet points. Some people like it visual. So I, I did a six week program and that's, so that, what, those two things have been really great that doing the homecoming project, um, and through the Not Your Average Entrepreneur um, and inspiring people to be entrepreneurs and also developing my own programs and helping young people to find their voice through understanding what their dyslexia is or their autism is and how they can sharpen themselves through a program of different things to help create some set skills and tools. So I call it my toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And just before we go on to our um, our free bonus uh, questions, uh, Marcia. Well, we haven't just... had the free bonus question. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I just want to ask, let's say 10 years from now in terms of, or 10, 15 years from now, let's say in terms of leaving behind a legacy, how would you like to be remembered? Wow, okay. So... I currently am working on a, pro pro, um, a project called um, Blend. It's Black Le Excellent Leadership in Neurodiversity. I love that to be a legacy that continues to um, develop um, excellence within the Black and Brown community. Um, I've been doing that for the past two years. We just had our event um, last week at the London Stock Exchange. I love that legacy to be about healing and happiness within the Black community in particular, because there's a lot of trauma, not just um, community trauma, childhood trauma, there's generational traumas. And through healing and um, happiness, I think, we can work on some stuff working and you know as a hub as a community to to kind of work on that and you know work on people people's kind of yeah dreams and hopes through togetherness and collect and collaboration as well so that that that's a legacy piece and also to help young people um to find their voice i don't know what that looks like in a project but something where that's a piece that's left and also to continue writing and writing people's stories i've got so many ideas for other books um that i feel would be um you know around parents experience around black men and their experience and young people and their experience because we don't always hear those voices and um i want it, those kind of books to be in the academic universities across the globe not just even in the UK because yeah. we don't have enough of those types of books and not don't even let me get started about research yeah because research on the diversity of people just in general there's not enough of that when I wanted to do my research piece for my master's um, on autism and black boys there was no, I couldn't do it because there was no research there was no information but I know it exists because I was working with young people and young boys who were being excluded and I wanted to write about their stories and I couldn't because there wasn't a supervisor who could manage that because there was no research so do, do you see what I mean I would have to probably go to like America or go somewhere where they would be open to that and say okay we will we'll be your supervisor so from an academic point of view I want to have more books about our stories and research that's been done by us um the young people piece leaving something there and the blend piece about you know it's something that's really important to me to leave those kind of legacy and you know if I can do that that would be amazing 
I just blend again. It was black leadership, excellent neurodiversity. Neurodiversity, yeah. So blend black and then leader and then excellence and neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. So I just had an event um, with my um, co the co-founder with me, Janet, Janet Morgan. We just had an event at the London Stock Exchange. We got supported um, to have the event there. And it was it was just phenomenal. And the speakers were amazing. Um, and it just brings people together because that, it sets that vibration, just bring people together. I, I will be keeping a lookout for that, uh, Marcy. Yeah. Okay, just, we'll uh, have to. Yeah, no, to... I can invite you. I'll invite you next next year. You know, ho hopefully we'll get some support again and we can make it run for next year for 2024. We're, it's already in my thoughts anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, now, I just wanted to go on to um, our three bonus questions. So um, if my co-host Niall was here, he judges uh, all our uh, guests on this first question. So uh, we need the right answer for this one. Oh, no. So, so bonus question number one. Would you have pineapple on a pizza? Yes. And I think that would be where the uh, podcast ends. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, I haven't had for a while if that counts, but I definitely used to like pineapples. I'm a vegan and I'm a pescatarian. I mean, you know, like it's not much choices. <laughs> can, that, can that allow me? <laughs> though one of our guests was saying that actually that I think it was like Ghanaian like pineapple on the pizzas are supposed to be really good. So uh, I have to just try that to be fair. So I just find that quite interesting. But uh, <laughs> I think you are probably the fourth or fifth guest because I think we're at episode 21 now who said that they have pineapple on pizza so that's uh it's very interesting very interesting yeah. so and I'm, I'm talking and you have chilies with it it's the, you know it's a done it's a done deal i haven't had it for a while because <laughs> I, in, i'm in a household what doesn't wouldn't be going for that but yeah i have i would do it yeah for sure i'm not ashamed i'm telling you i'm in, i'm owning my stuff i'm owning my stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then just going to um bonus question number two if you were yeah. to throw a a dinner party and you could invite three guests. It could be either, either in your personal life or celebrities um, throughout any part of history. Who would be those three guests? That's so hard because two of them I can think of as family members because my dad passed away. So I'd love my dad to come. Um, I'm going to say because it's in my head and it's really weird. Bob Marley, because I'd love to have a conversation with him and my dad would as well. So I would love to the two of them to talk together. And then, gosh, this is really difficult because I've got so, so many ancestors that I'm thinking of in my life. But if there's anybody else, hmm, it's, it's just going to be my grandma. I'm so sorry. I'd love to have my grandmother and then she can tell me about how my cooking tastes. <laughs> so um that's it for, that's it for me so it's yeah my ancestors are really important to me and that you know I grew up with my grandmother so I, I can't not have her there <laughs> and then would it be Jamaican food at the table as well a hundred percent we can mix it up I do like other food but a little bit of Caribbean and fruit punch you know fruit punch I said that didn't I um yeah. you know yeah but I like different foods, but yeah, Caribbean food has to be there. <laughs> That's your grandmother, your dad, and Bob Marley. Oh, yeah, lovely. yeah, yeah. It's got to be a family affair because they're very important and significant people in my life. And my dad loved Bob Marley um, alongside great, he, he was a DJ, so he loved all sorts of music. So I'm very blessed to have had so much different genres of music, right down to sort of like blues and rhythm and blues. So um, yeah, yeah, I think they would have a good conversation. That would make me happy. <laughs> And then final bonus question, if you could have any superpower, what would that superpower be? Oh, that's too tricky. I, I, I'll, I'll say something that can transport places, but um, um, <laughs> gosh, that's really got me. I'm saying tra a transport, something to um, transport you into to different parts of the world. Like, um, what do you call it? It's like a transport. You just kind of like go through it um, and like um, a little, like almost like a portal or yeah like, that's it yeah. like a portal let's say that like a portal so I can go to different places see the world and see before and after you know yeah that sounds good even go to space without having to go in the air you know just just <laughs> maybe a little peep and then come back <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first one we've had like um like teleporting or portal or anything like that yeah I think it I think I'd like that actually. I've never thought of it myself, but yeah, I think I'd like that as a power, just to go anywhere whenever you want and just uh, go, yeah, just freely travel. To be fair, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Just, just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> now, Marcy, I've really, really enjoyed today's episode and just um, learning more about your backstory and um, where you are and where you want to get to in, in the future. But for our listeners who have tuned into our podcast today, if people want to follow you on your journey, where can they go in terms of social media platforms? Yeah, so for social media, um, you've got my LinkedIn, um, which is Marcia Brissett Bailey. And then you've got my Instagram, which is the Black Dyslexic. And then my, it's not Twitter anymore, X is just my name as well. So those are the free kind of social media. I'm very active on um, Instagram, so I do respond to people. And um, LinkedIn, they, those, those are my kind of go-tos a lot of the time. Brilliant. Do you have a website as well? That people I don't have a website. No, I don't. I haven't got a website at the, at the moment. But um, yeah, those are the places that I'm um, contactable for sure. Fantastic. But yeah, as I say, really um, going to keep in, in tune or keep up to date with all the work that you're doing. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to come down to one of your events sometime in the future as well. I've, it's noted. It's noted. I'm good at that. I'm, I've noted that, Blair. So 100%. It's been amazing um, to be here, and I'm hoping that in through this conversation today with you, Blair, that we've been able to help somebody think about that kind of mindset piece about how they can go forth in terms of finding their goals in a way that is meaningful to them to reach their aspirations. So I'm hoping that if we do one person, but we know it's going to be more, <laughs> um, that will that that will that will be really just like warm my heart. Really, it would. And that's why I do what I do. Feel really empowered after after uh, speaking with you, honestly. So, yeah, thank you for appearing on the uh, podcast, Marcia. So, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll. If you enjoyed today's episode, yeah, please uh, like, uh, comment, and subscribe. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. So, thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed my uh, conversation with Marcia. And just a few of my uh, takeaways from today's episode. I mean, Marcia is such a a trailblazer um, in her field. I mean, she's doing so much um, to help people from neurodiverse backgrounds, but also from uh, black backgrounds as well. I mean, some of my main takeaways is that she was saying from a, a young age, because she was dyslexic, she... There was a lot of uh, the teachers that were saying that she wouldn't be able to achieve this, she wouldn't be able to achieve that. But she's now gone out and managed to exceed a lot of her own like expectations and whatnot. And it's also, she had her family believe in her at a young age that it's almost like that, um, like she mentioned, like tough love. But it's a family saying that if you really want something badly enough, you have to go out there and essentially make it happen for yourself. And then what she's done is, I mean, it's brilliant. Her book that she's written, the, um, the black brilliant and dyslexic and essentially her journey from, from a young age to where she is now about how she's managed to overcome all these hurdles to be a success as she is today. I mean, credit to Marcia being a trailblazer. She's top 50 influential neurodivergent women in the UK. Uh, and then she's also been like the top 80 neurodiversity evangelist in the UK as well. I mean, it's just been, honestly, it's just great to hear the stories of these different uh, trailblazers and what they've essentially had to overcome in terms of getting to where they are today. And I really love the whole when Marcy was discuss, discussing, like, getting across the whole um, imposter syndrome aspect, that you feel sometimes that some things that you, you're not quite, let's say, good enough to do certain tasks, or maybe, maybe you're not quite qualified enough, and you have these, almost these thoughts in your head that this isn't for you, but it's how you essentially overcome that. And she's essentially inspiring other, like, people to essentially have that growth mindset that you can be whatever you want to be and you, you can basically get yourself on that ladder to being the best version of yourself. And honestly, I, I find that just truly inspired. I was just inspired hearing um, of all the different uh, programs and initiatives that Marcy is working on. And it's also the, um, she was mentioning she had the the blend, which is the Black Leadership uh, 
excellence in like neurodiversity and it's just doing programs like that to develop excellence in people who are well black and from neurodiverse backgrounds and it's just you have to go out there and show people that what what's out there and what's possible and truly we need more people like marcia in our communities to show us that yeah we've got people we've got these like influential figureheads in our communities and this is what they're doing they're being essentially uh, the champions of our community and showing us the realm of possibility that's out there and she did say uh, in the future that she would be looking to uh, come into manchester so it would be great to um attend well myself attend one of her events and you should too if you um you're interested in anything that Marcia was talking about today, be great to just um, go to one of our events, network. And as I say, with these some of these networking events, you don't know what opportunities might arise. So I do highly uh, recommend um, linking up with uh, Marcia and see what opportunities uh, possibly come ar can arise from just having a, a simple something as simple as a conversation. But that's all we've got time for today. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like, comment, and subscribe as always on the Blair Project channel. Uh, once again, in terms of our social media platforms, we are on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn at The Blair Project. And we are also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Get Me Motoring. And once again, thank you everyone for listening to the listening to today's episode and until next time peace out if you've liked today's episode make sure to like comment and subscribe the blair project is all is on all major social media platforms including facebook and linkedin and youtube at the blair project we're also on instagram twitter and and tiktok yes we are on tiktok at get me motoring if you'd like to follow myself individually, I am on Instagram at Niall Henry and also LinkedIn uh, at Niall Henry as well. And if you want to follow myself, I'm on Instagram as Blair Henry underscore 97 and also on um, LinkedIn as just Blair Henry. So we look forward to having you on the next episode. So stay tuned. Take care. Until next time.